rolling. What's happening, y'all? Zach and Andy. Hey. We are back at Zons. Depending on how our sponsorship deal goes, we may or may not be calling this our, our place. I think we, yeah. I was actually, you know, I literally was thinking about that today because we had talked about it. So off air, we had talked about maybe getting a little sponsorship on this podcast and getting like a free beer and a shirt. I don't remember what the details were. Shirt and shirt and uh, glass, I think, yes. is, is in the contract right. so far. <laughs> so the funny thing about that is I was like, well, what if, because you sometimes don't work on the west side. I was like, what if there's a day where we're like, we had to make a special trip to Sons. Well, I don't know if our contract stipulates that we have to be here every week. Okay. But I we think... did promise that we would be here for the next subsequent weeks, and I think technically that's today. Yeah. Yeah. For episode 41. Right. Mm. So I think even if you consider how many times we've already been here, and considering that this would kind of be our, our go-to spot, you know, I think we've already... Made, made the sponsorship deal more than fair I think on, you're right. on everybody's account. I think you're right. Yeah. Plus, the nice thing about this place is there's not as much, like, noise, like background noise. Yeah, traffic. Yeah. Yeah. So, I do love that about this place. Although, maybe, maybe we could stipulate as part of our sponsorship contract that we could actually rope off the patio. That seems like a little bit of a D-I-C-K move. Mm, especially because there's like a family out there. Yeah, but I thought about it a minute ago when I was you were in here like, whatever, and I, I was like, I'm gonna go hijack our table. I thought about just like yelling obscenities to try to deter <laughs> this family that's sitting outside. It didn't. It, well, first of all, I didn't do that. So clearly, just it so we're clear, it didn't, didn't work. So plus the owners out there talking. So I didn't want to get kicked out by screaming obscenities at the owner. It's a gorgeous day, and they hijacked our patio. Yeah. Anyway. It's an unseasonably warm day, it feels like. It's been unseasonably warm this entire month. Yeah. It's weird. Watch it be, like, ice cold on Halloween. It always is. And here we are three weeks away from it. Yeah. As of this episode recording. Three right. weeks away from Halloween, and it's, like, 90. Yeah. So... I feel like I jinxed the weather because I, I said on that one episode, I was like, oh, it's about to start getting cold. I and, think you did. And you were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, yeah, we still have a lot more and I was warm like, weather. I was like, come on, man. It's no. getting cold out. It's fall. <laughs> no. And you were like, get out of here. Yeah. And I was right. And now it's 87 degrees in the middle of October. Dude, I was swimming in a lake this weekend. Mm-hmm. It was October. Let's see. The, today's the 11th. It was October 9th. And I was in a lake. In Kentucky, actually. Mm. I bet that was fun. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. A good time. Right on, man. Well, speaking of swimming in lakes, um, we each had quite a big, eventful weekend. I was about to say, how are you going to turn that? (laughs) How are you going to steer that ship? You were out camping this past weekend. I was. Uh, our our buddy and uh, guest on episode thirty seven, I believe, yeah. Doctor Jesse Riley was back in town. Um, and you guys went to the Dad Rock concert. We went to the Daddest Rock concert you could possibly imagine. <laughs> Rolling Stones. 
Chiefs at the Nissan Stadium, Nashville, Tennessee. I bet that was a sold-out show, too. Uh, I, I, from what I could tell. Well, that's cool. Yeah. What was your favorite song? Mmm. My favorite song that they played? Sure. Oh, man. I tell you, um, they did a stirring rendition of Gimme Shelter. Because, you know, Gimme Shelter, Nick shares a lead vocal with a female singer. Mm. So, um, Nick and the lead female backup singer, like, had this big back and forth performance going on. That's pretty cool. It was very, uh, very intimately charged. Like, they were very much in each other's face, and, like, you felt like they could start making out at any moment. Oh. That's pretty incredible. It was, it was insane. And, of course, um, I, I don't know what the um, gal's name is, but uh, she just had an incredible set of pipes. You know, That's cool. As, as you can imagine. So that was like, that. the end of Gimme Shelter gave me goosebumps. Nice. For real, yeah. And it was also cool to hear Honky Tonk Woman in Nashville. I think that was, that was kind of fun. Um, so those are the couple of highlights. Cool. Yeah. There's a couple of tunes I really wish they would have played, but they didn't. Next time. Knock on, <laughs> knock on wood, brother. <laughs> but I tell you, Mick Jagger, you want to talk about a physical specimen at 78 years old? Good Lord, man. That dude did not stop moving. Just, just dancing, just entertaining the crowd, just I wonder what his crowd. workout routine is like. I wonder what his supplement routine is like. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, there's probably a lot going it, into that. Let's, let's just say it takes both, I think, at a certain <laughs> point in time. It takes, it takes a, a great workout regimen and a, a supplementation regimen. Probably. Yeah. And, and not just like vitamin D. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he's not taking over-the-counter vitamin D pills, like from Walgreens. I'm sure they travel with a team of doctors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, have you ever seen those, like, Russian doping scandal? Kind of, it's kind of like that. Oh, sure. Dude. They have, like, the special tent Dude, that, he, that he goes into. To keep, you know, those, to keep those boys on stage? Yeah. Hey, whatever you got to do. Just the special tent, just shield it, and just go in there, and then you just come out great. You come out like Mick Jagger. Yeah. Make moves like Mick Jagger? Dude, you know it. Hmm. Well, cool. Yeah, so it was a super fun time. To state the obvious. Yeah. It was a gorgeous weekend, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same, it same, really was. Like, with camping, I expected it to be, like, cool or cold or whatever. It was perfect. Yep. It was just surprising because it was, you know, October. But mm-hmm. I took my little 1985 4Runner out. And at first, we were, like driving down this so we rendezvoused at one camping like a visitor center and then all i had were gps coordinates i didn't have like a Mm. campground right it was like 39 degrees north whatever that's all i had Mm -hmm. and so at one point so we rendezvoused we packed just the one truck and we start driving down this dirt road whatever and for the first 15 minutes we're like oh marcus the guy i went with and another guy james Marcus has like a little, you know, Mazda sedan. And we were like, oh, you could have made it. 
down this fine. Like we didn't need it. We didn't need to just pack the one car. My mm. lifted 1985 Forerunner. We didn't need to do that. Then we hit series of really deep puddles and like giant ruts in the mm. mud and we're like oh no yeah you would have gotten stuck here like or we would have had to turn around and by turn around you would have had to like reverse 15 minutes back oh no it wasn't really like a turnaround kind of spot like a one lane yeah i was glad deal. that on the way in and on the way out we didn't hit traffic because mm. there were large sections of it where somebody was going to either have to crawl up like a wall or someone was going to go forward and someone was going to go in reverse until we had like a t- like a place to like to, like get past each other. Oh no! So yeah, she did great. Crawling right through there, a little tractor, my little like hundred horsepower tractor. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I only had to. I actually didn't even use four wheel drive to get around. She was fun, like super capable, regardless. Except for I don't know if you saw my Instagram story. I had a picture like on this like sort of stony beach. Uh-huh, uh-huh. To get off that beach, she got stuck oh, no. a little bit, and then threw it into four-wheel drive and and crawled out of there. But uh-huh. for a minute, it was a little dicey there. Oh boy! But it was good. It was a good time. And then it was cool because we're going down this dirt gravel road or whatever. And at first, we had the GPS coordinates, and every we're connected to you know a cell tower at first, mm-hmm. and then we lose the cell tower. And so Google Maps is like, I don't know where you are. Like, you're just in the wilderness. But there was a road. And by road, right. I mean, it was like, you know, dirt ruts. There's a road. So anyway, we start going down a road, whatever. We take a wrong turn. We get stuck in the woods. We come back, go do the right turn. But what was nice about this type of camp, and this is my kind of camping, where you're disconnected for a little bit of it. And then as soon as we hit the beach, where we ended up camping overnight, there was like barges. It's a river. Mm. So land between the lakes is a giant chunk of land between two rivers rivers slash lakes and so we were on the river and there's a you know barges that went through there were pontoon boats there was a one of those real long speed boats mm-hmm. going like 90 down the oh river at one boy. point and then we get self-service again that's how i posted all my pictures on instagram nah, I got it. <laughs> so it was remote enough where over the course of the weekend we only had like three or four other people like drive up or through our campsite mm-hmm. but otherwise no one else could get there you could maybe by boat, but you run it up on, like, rocky shore. Um, but we were connected in case something went sideways. Sure. It's kind of my type of camping is, like, pull up on site, have the truck to, like, hold all the shit. Right. And then we brought coolers with, at, with adulterated beverages. I meant to tell you off air. Adulterated. How many of those beverages we had. How many were left? Um, it, was a, it was a number. I will say off air. We had our fair share of imbibing, um, and then we cooked steaks on the cast iron skillet right. right on the yeah right on the fire. It was great. Yeah. All this to say, Andy and I have had quite the weekend. A long weekend. <laughs> so uh, we thought a a fun way to kind of continue the themes of what we have been doing with. Uh, fix my squat, fix my bench, fix my deadlift, is move from a lifting technique-based conversation to a body part training conversation. Uh, so I thought it would be cool to just break down arm training. I mean, arm who, farm. who doesn't love training arms? Right? I actually have a, cl- a male client that hates it. 
he should see someone. <laughs> he, should what, go, he should go to therapy. The irony is he actually has decent arms, but he hates doing direct arm work. Interesting. Now, he, direct arm work is an interesting topic because most people really like it. Mm-hmm. I have incorporated it almost unanimously with every single one of my clients. Some f- version of direct arm training in every single workout. Mm-hmm. Um, unless they specifically say, I don't want to do that. Sure. But it, it's very rare. So I do, yeah. I, like the last 10 minutes of our workout-ish is either like conditioning and arm work or just arm work. It's always in there. Bicep conditioning. Basically. <laughs> I'm trying to get some peaked biceps over here. So I thought that we could just kind of frame this episode as maybe just kind of breaking down either some of our go-to exercises or techniques or wherever the conversation goes, um, kind of based around what I would consider the four main muscle groups of the arm, which are forearms, biceps, triceps, and we'll just say shoulders. Okay. Or maybe say front and or medial delts. So... Starting distally. Okay. Going forearms. Forearms. Um, You go first. All right, I'll go first. Uh, I think the most brutal forearm exercises would include the wrist roll-ups. Describe that. Uh, Where you have your arms out straight and you have a wheel or, or a tube. With a rope. With a rope connected to a, a weight at the end. Right. And you and, and you, you roll it up and you roll it back down. Right. Like almost like you're rolling like a newspaper kind of thing, but like straight out in front of you with, and it's weighted. Yep. And okay. so you're literally just shifting your, your grip and your wrist back and forth. Like you're like you're revving a motorcycle. Right, right, right. Um, for the for the imagery there. So there's a version, I don't know if you've seen, where um, to take your delts out of it, you can do the same wrist roller action just on a barbell. If you just hook a, you know, a um, uh, a weight, if if I I haven't personally done this, but you know, if you were to tie a weight at the end of a rope, maybe over some sort of like PVC pipe, or maybe even tie it directly onto a barbell, you yeah. know, obviously the spins, you can just wrist roll a barbell. And the and in this exercise variation that you're describing is the bar on the rack. Right, right. right. So the bar's on the rack and you're just rolling it. Yeah. Okay. So that takes a little bit of the delts out of it. So I think the wrist roller, old school exercise, but destroys the forearms. So I haven't done that probably since college. And in part, the reason I did it then was forearm strength because I played lacrosse. And you need decent forearm strength to be able to hang on to a stick or cradle a stick or whatever. Mm. So, and when you cradle a stick, it's sort of this flexion and extension. It's pretty, um, it's, <laughs> it's pretty, you use a lot of momentum with it. Sure. Um, so you don't really have to have a ton of flexion and extension strength so much as just like the grip strength. So I'm going to go with farmer's carries for mine. Mm-hmm. Really heavy farmer's carries. I like, it, even though you don't have the same flexion and extension of the wrist, that isometric hold of a really heavy object, mm. um, typically either a farmer's bar or a dumbbell or a kettlebell, and just walking with it as far as you can without letting go. With the added benefit of like, I'm not gonna say total body strengthening, but you probably get the added benefit of like core work. Oh, sure. Oh, 
we're not going to include we can do trap training another episode but with the included like upper traps like mm-hmm. i felt more yoked in my upper traps doing heavy farmer's carries than i ever have doing like shrugs or whatever right so but my favorite forearm strengthening would be farmer's carries for sure for sure yeah, a couple other ideas from there. Um, something that I, I was doing a lot um, last year was actually forearm leveraging. So let's say for practical purposes, uh, just grabbing onto the end of a broom, just grabbing onto the tip of a broom, where obviously the bristles are at the far end, mm-hmm. and taking your arm out straight and doing, uh, I think what would be called ulnar and radial deviation. Right. Almost so, like you're casting a spell on somebody. That, or, or you could imagine, like, let's say you're doing, uh, like, you're trying to hitch a ride, and you throw a thumb out like that, right. and you're pointing the thumb towards the horizon, and then pointing it back towards you, and towards the horizon, and back towards you. That's it. So that's deviation. We'll say, like, north and south deviation. Okay. Doing that. So that's part of my therapy for my bicep tear, actually. No doubt. Mm-hmm. So basically holding on to anything that gives you some leverage. So that could be a broom. That could be a, a, uh, a mace. Um, could even be a, um, I've even done it with like a single side loaded dumbbell. If you have dumbbells that, where you can put plates on and take plates off. Mm. Um, so yeah. And then the other way that you can deviate is, um, from west to north and then from east to north. Same thing. Like bicep therapy. With sort of these like clockwork rotations right, or whatever. Right, right. So like I would go probably like from west to east all the way over and all the way back. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Same with the bicep stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's something that I've also seen a lot of uh, grip competitors, like these super duper grip nerd guys, do a lot for their wrist health. Um, and also like like the bending guys the dudes who like bend steel and stuff like that roll a frying pan right those guys are nuts so that's probably also in some degree um probably pretty good for your wrist probably therapeutic for your elbow as well so that's another exercise off the top of my head that i think really helps work the forearms well i suppose we should probably talk about like the dose Mm. well here's why like I don't think you're going to disagree here. Like, every decision that we make in the gym as far as, like, what exercise we should do comes at a cost. There's a benefit and a cost. So, if you do, you know, 40 minutes of of forearm work, that doesn't leave a ton of time to do a lot of other stuff. I was going to say, and if you're you're working with an elite strength and conditioning professional like Andy Van, quite literally, you're talking about a cost to walk in through the door, so you need to make it worth your while. Right. Actually, that, that should be a sidebar. And I, I don't... I'm, side, I'm going to sidebar, because we were talking about something like this earlier. That's one of the reasons why I pick some of the exercises I do with a lot of my clients, is because they aren't doing it on their own. Right. I have a handful of clients right. that work out on their own, but they're not safety squatting. Right. And they're not barbell or trap bar deadlifting. And they're not barbell benching. So... As long as the choices that I've made are relevant to their goals, I also choose certain things I know that they either need eyes on mm. in terms of like technique and skill and safety um, so I can spot them and correct them or whatever. So stuff like direct forearm training, 
maybe gets a little bit of love in my workouts with my clients, but it depends because if I do too much forearm direct forearm training, it comes with the cost of some other things. Right. Now it's not like you know we should and again you and I and probably a lot of people listening would understand that when you do deadlifts you're training your grip strength in your forearms and when you do pull-ups or dumbbell rows anytime you're like holding a heavy ass weight you've got some forearm work going mm-hmm. um, in my younger years as a coach because we're going to touch on biceps triceps and shoulders in my younger years as a coach I didn't do direct arm training with my clients because I figured that with all the rowing and pushing and pressing or whatever, pulling, that we were getting enough direct arm work or indirect arm work to hypertrophy those muscles. I have since changed my perspective on that, which is why everybody does arm farm now. Um, but everything comes at a cost. So sure. if you're gonna, if you're designing a program, if you're limited in your time, if, if forearm work is important to you, there's the aforementioned exercises that we've discussed. There's also like you could do like fat grip stuff, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. we haven't mentioned. I have a couple fat grips in my bag at the gym. Uh, I haven't used them in forever though. Mm. I don't know why. I, just, I forget about them. I use mine about once every three months. Actually, <laughs> you know what's funny about the fat grips is let's go the other direction. I have certain clients that use their hands for like they're musicians, so they need mm. their hands for their job. Mm-hmm. I have one specifically who plays piano, so mm. if his forearms are roasted, he can't play. Right. So right. he actually, for a lot of like really grip intensive work, wears these like um, I don't know what they're called, but they're like this wrist supported sort of metal J hook. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen these. I, I own a pair. I own a pair for my own personal. I've broken fingers in the past, and so in an effort to be able to still push and pull, not push, pull the same weight. I bought them because I had broken finger. I couldn't grip anything, so I used them so I could still train. Anyway, we he and I used them because his forearms, if they get too worn out, he cannot play. Right. So, same thing. Most people don't care, don't know, don't even think about it. Some of my clients, there's a, like a reason why we are careful about how much direct arm work we do, like forearm work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I think that thoroughly... Fries, shellacked the, <laughs> the forearms. Really <laughs> shellacked the forearms. Certainly, there's many, many, many fun uh, exercises that one could do for any of these muscle groups. But we'll we'll try to keep it short here because we're, we're running on a short timeline this evening. Okay. So we'll move on from forearms. You said biceps second. I remember. I, thank you. <laughs> biceps. Listen, man. One of my sayings one of my um uh one of my one of my go-to i think branded monikers at this point is curls are functional okay so i think bicep curls specifically with independent weights so we'll just say we'll just say dumbbells okay i think uh, i think dumbbell bicep curls in all their variations Underhand, neutral or hammer grip, underhand, Zotman style, alternating, both at the same time, seated, reclined, spider style, leaning forward. You can't go wrong with a good dumbbell bicep curl. Can I bust your chops for a second? Well, that's what you're here for. So, I was just thinking about this. You're the kettlebell guy, right? 
How did we not? Some would say that. How did we not, in that entire section about forearm training, talk about bottoms-up kettlebell stuff? I did think about bottoms-up kettlebell stuff. Okay. I I would say that a that bottoms up is a great is a great grip and forearm exercise. But I think if we're literally talking about raw forearm like hypertrophy and yeah. strength, I think doing things that um, are lower skill translate easier. Okay. So I do think that like, you know, bottoms up presses and bottoms up holds are killer, but I almost consider those more of like a forearm slash grip higher skill type exercise. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Well, and, and two, the isometric component of it means that we're not really taking everything through full range of motion. That's the, right. I would say the con of my pick with the farmer's carries is not flexion extension that full range of motion it's an isometric hold right well i would also say the pro of your choice is the heavy weights and the, the systemic right. uh, uh, impact on the rest of the body pros and cons pros and cons costs, costs and, and benefits, benefits. Ah. Ah. we were like totally in sync just now <laughs> all right so you basically like Dumbbell curls is your bicep one, right? Mm hmm. That one would be would also be my choice, but for the sake of expanding on bicep training, I don't want to just be like, yeah, totally, just dumbbell curls. Andy is expanding his body expanding. As, he, as he's expanding well, I'm his body. Expanding point my belly with all this food I've been eating, but you anyway. Can, you can go ahead and expand that. I did do curls. Expand that sleeve. I Look did, at that. Oh, it's coming back. That busted bicep is coming back. I was going to say, I was checking out your forearms. It doesn't look like you had too much forearm. Well, you had a little bit of forearm atrophy there. Yeah, a little bit. I am carrying a little bit more. My bicep tolerates carrying fine. Okay. And I've been deadlifting. Where are you up to now? Oh, I haven't gone over 185. Buddy. Pulled 225, 10 by 5 EMOM last week. Oh, boy. Okay, anyway. Um, So bicep stuff. (laughs) I, I'm with you, actually. I'm preferential to dumbbell curl variations. Um, I kind of like high incline when my bicep doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. So, you know, high incline bench, getting a little bit more extension on that bicep and doing curls. But I like it that you can sort of pronate and supinate the hands yep. as you're doing it. So I'm preferential to dumbbell curls as well. Um, the only other alternative I would say would be probably a barbell curl. You don't get the same pronation and supination. You're going to be supinated, palms up, no matter what. Um, but because it's a barbell and it's a more stable variation, in theory, you could load it up a little bit heavier. So kind of going back to the farmer's carries, you can hypertrophy them because it's super-duper heavy mm-hmm. relative to your abilities. A barbell curl would, in theory, be a little bit heavier than your dumbbell curl, maybe. Mm-hmm. I've never really put this to the test. Mm. But in theory, you could probably curl a barbell pretty heavy. And, and so in terms of hypertrophy or whatever, I will mix and match. Typically, in a, if I see a client twice a week and we do arm farm, we'll do a dumbbell curl variation on one day and a barbell curl variation on the other day. Yep. Um, so for the sake of change, like changing the decision, I'll go with a barbell curl for mine. Um, there's some like weird like have you done a preacher curl and like how long has it been since you've done a preacher curl? <laughs> I will admit, 
Um, my dad did buy me a weight bench that to this day is still in my childhood bedroom. That is a, it's actually pretty baller. It's a bench mm -hmm. with a lat pull down on the head side and a preacher curl and leg curl and leg extension on the foot side. Well, that's cool. So, so whenever I'm home. Get that bicep pump. <laughs> doing some I preacher do, curls. I do the preacher curl. Um, but apart from that, no, not really. No, I used to, like in college, yeah. all the time, but not anymore. Yeah. You know, so I will say, um, apart from dumbbells, I do like cable curl variations. The only tricky thing is, is that I myself have found it tricky to find the right angle, the right machine. You know, you got to have a cable station that's like let's say well lubricated um that whole thing gotta find the sweet spot weight if you're just using like one arm but i will say this i was doing a program a couple months ago that actually this is like the most stereotypical bodybuilding exercise i've ever done okay i can tell you a one arm i believe it's called archer curl so I'm standing with my arm basically flush with my torso out to the side and in a Y position. So with my arm, so with my hand held just above head height. Sure. And I literally would grab a cable handle, one arm cable handle. And so I'm standing facing perpendicular to the machine. Right. And I'm curling my knuckles to my temple one arm at a time. So the way I imagine this is like if you're trying to do like a pose, like a bicep pose. Right. Same thing, only loaded version of it. So the cable is pulling me in this upward diagonal Y position. Right. And I am actually curling downward down the Y position. Did you get sore? I got... Well, see, here's the thing. Again, you kind of have to find the right machine and the right kind of angle. Right. A couple of times I got like... Uh, just the sickest bicep pump and my biceps were were sore were sore in a way that I hadn't felt in a long time now how much is that exercise really worth doing in the long term probably not very much but um, it was um, it was cool to work the bicep in that curl motion with the arm held up high mm -hmm. as opposed to traditionally being down low by your by your side okay yeah, so that was fun. This might be a topic for another podcast episode, but does it sometimes strike you when you, like, Gym 5, I would say, is a very sort of bodybuild. well, I, I think it's a fair shake between bodybuilding and powerlifting, but, mm -hmm. and I would, I would say probably 60-40, mostly power, or excuse me, uh, mostly bodybuilding style training that I see in there. Does it ever strike you sometimes with some of these exercises that you're like, it doesn't it's not really a thing like like what the hell are you doing kind of yeah so, so this is and again this is a sidebar and we don't have to go down this road today but there are a billion variations of bicep curls out there you and i could talk we could do an entire episode about bicep curl variations of that of those billion or episode length worth 
and maybe of, we will next week. Of bicep curl variations. There are probably two or three that really swing for the fences, and like 95% of the others are just like superfluous. And then at the end of the day, for most people, most of the time, they're really superfluous. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. really like, you're like, bro, just do a normal curl, and you would probably get a better bicep pump, probably more loadable, probably better for hypertrophy, unless you're doing a thousand bicep exercises, in which case you need the variety. Mm-hmm. But it does strike me often with a lot of the, the bodybuilding style. I'll put it this way. Some of those guys look really good in spite of what they actually do in the gym. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's not because of what they do. Sure. Yeah, so anyway, yeah. they're often, and I'm not, I'm not sitting here, I'm not like throwing shade or, or whatever, but I just want to make clear to our audience that there are a billion variations of a lot of exercises, and there's probably a handful that work exceptionally well, and a lot yeah. that are just okay. Well, this is the line that we're towing with the theme of this podcast. Right. Because we're literally talking about relatively small muscle groups right. and our favorite exercises to train them right. or, or whatever. So it's like, this is almost kind of more of like a fun... Right. But I do want to make it clear, like, yeah. it is fun. But also, like, if you're going to... Again, if, if you have a limited... And this is, this is the tug of war that you and I play as coaches. If you're only training two or three times a week... We're going to be very judicious in the decisions that we make. Right. If you're only training twice a week, you probably don't need to do any of these exercises that we're talking about. Right, right. If you're training twice a week... To be fair. With the exception of maybe farmer carries. Right. If you're training seven days a week, maybe you can afford, you know, some of these superfluous or whatever. But for most of us, most of the time, there are probably two or three, like there's a handful. And that's the best part about it is everyone thinks it's the exercise that makes the difference and it's not. It's how it's loaded, how it's applied. Mm. It's the it's the load, and it's the sets and the reps and the volume. So right. as long as a handful, here's the another sidebar to the sidebar. Um, if you do all of the bicep exercises all of the time, it's really difficult to then change. You know, like people like to change things up. Right, right. It, so I I struggle with this. Even I still struggle with this as a coach in programming. If you do all the lunge variations in every one of your workouts, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. Where are you going to go? Yeah. You have to get good at something, or let's say get used to something, or get stale at something, or maximize something to justify changing it. Right. And you know how long and how often it is that you actually, actually, actually maximize something? Almost never. <laughs> Almost never. That's my favorite part. Yeah. People are like, we're benching again. I'm like, yeah, there's lots of sleeve length we can still fill. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Cool, man. So biceps, let's move on to triceps. Okay. So I will, I will go really old school here. Um, maybe, certainly, certainly not a pure tricep exercise. But I'm gonna go with the push-up, the humble push-up, as one of my favorite tricep strengthening exercises. I'm gonna bust your chops again, but okay, expand on it. Well, I typically, as you could probably imagine, a lot of people come in with these super wide, mm-hmm. I would say almost shoulder or delt-oriented push-ups. Okay. You look like Batman right now, jumping off a building. 
Or skydiver. <laughs> I always train, I always cue a pretty darn close grip um, technique for push-ups. So, based on what you're showing me right now, thumbs, like, just inside shoulders, yep. basically. Yeah. And, and, well, just inside shoulders and also down a little bit. Yeah. 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 So, getting someone to, you know, what you... It's very funny. Most of the ladies who I've coached, or I, or I coach this particular technique, they say, oh, you mean a tricep push-up? I'm like, well, it's... It's a it's a push up. It's I mean, a push up that's probably the safest for your shoulder and strongest for your for your body. But oh. all that to say, I'm going I'm going with the humble push up. Whether okay. that's whether that's inclines, hands inclines, um, or flats. I guess once you start going feet elevated, that probably starts getting more into shoulders. But um, I think even I train hands elevated push-ups all the time especially for higher reps um so that's that's the first thing that comes to me off the top of my mind is the uh the push-up my counter argument for that would be just the loadability of it especially like once you get to like if you can do i'm gonna call it a close grip push-up your push-up mm -hmm. if you can do 15 20 25 i suppose you could add plates and chains and whatever but loading it eventually you start running out of room it's hard to load that Unless you have a weight vest or someone puts a plate on your back or you've got chains you can dangle. Yeah, yeah. The only pushback I would give to the pushback would be, I think, especially when you are talking about someone who is a little bit more, let's say, intermediate to advanced, like you or me. Mm -hmm. We've done, let's say, a handful of workouts where we hit 100 push-ups at a time. Sure. I think that's a great stimulus. I think just because... I think you're right in the sense that the loading is, like, let's say, relatively light or easy as a bodyweight exercise. But I also think that that's why maybe people who are around our level, plus or minus, probably should be doing 100, 150 push-ups in a workout. That's fair. As long as your wrists and, and elbows uh, are fine. I think that's fair. I also find your choice to be a very safe choice. The worst that can happen if you fail is you lay on the ground. Well, you could break your nose. Well, I mean, how many people... F All right, if you're doing a push-up and you fail, don't fall to the ground. Okay, okay. That's that's a very good point. Right. I, and also, if you're, if you're deadlifting with a mixed grip, don't tear your <laughs> bicep. So... So I like your choice because it is, it's a, it is safe. Like, again, worst case scenario, you just fail. And, yeah. then, you, and then you just lay on the ground. So I right. do like that. Um, and I think most, I, I, don't, I don't know, I can't, speak, I can't speak for your elite clientele. But you know, I train a lot of average Joes and Janes. And if you want to talk about a strict set of 20 push-ups, that's kind, that's that's kind of rare. That's, that's yeah, kind of rare. It is rare. Yeah, I would say if you can do 20, you're probably at least intermediate. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll yeah. tell you if you're a beginner intermediate. But. Dude, I mean, you know, like when all these like social media um, challenges go around, like, you know, drop and give me 15, For, drop and give me 20. Right. You know, I, not, not to knock any of the causes, but I've seen like some, you know, bad some, some characters who fancy themselves super duper workout enthusiasts and they're over here doing the grossest push-ups I've, <laughs> I've ever yeah. seen so it's 
even among people who are into fitness, a solid like chest to deck push up is still kind of rare. Well, even then, it's not even just the chest to deck part, but it's the the the, the push. What I see a lot of time, I try to get my clients to get their chest as far away from the floor as they can. Mm. A little protraction action? A little, a little protraction action. All right. The the funny thing about that is a lot of them just don't even know how to do it. Like you, yeah, I'm sure you've seen a thousand push-ups sure. where there's a space between their shoulder blades and it doesn't change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're like, no, I want you to get as far away from the... And they're like, what? And I'm like, keep going. Keep going, keep going. And they like keep pushing through and they're like, holy crap. Like reaching through that push-up. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of people don't do that. Don't know how to do it. So I've seen air quotes decent push-ups but that they don't really get that full i don't need to see like all the way up but i do want to get i'll put my hand between the shoulder blades and be like give me some space between mm-hmm. those shoulder blades mm-hmm. um so okay so that's the push-up yeah i have one two i have three. Oh boy we can talk about it that's that's appropriate for each head of the tricep well i don't know for sure i just three that i like to do <laughs> Um, one that you'll you'll like the close grip bench. Okay, sure, sure. Um, as it, uh, the opposite of your choice is relatively. When I say relatively, it's not technically it's unsafe if you fail because if right. you fail, then the bar's on your chest. So there is a little or bit other more places. right. So there's a little bit more risk involved. That said, a close grip bench is mechanically disadvantaged over most people's bench press. Right. So by virtue of the exercise, because you don't have as much leverage in that position, you're not going to go as heavy as your traditional bench. Mm -hmm. So I do like the close grip bench, and in terms of loadability, it's pretty high up there. Yeah. So I thought of a fourth one. So there's that one. Oh, boy. The second one, I'm going to go in order of... Loadability. Okay. The second one would be dips, like parallel bar dips. Oh boy. Now, for the longest time, I didn't do them because both of my shoulders hated it. And with a little bit more practice and a little bit low dose, um, I got to be in a better place with them. My shoulders tolerated them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. They are a difficult exercise to coach. Um, yeah. And, and you can't gradate it very easily. In other yeah. words, like. For you and I and intermediate lifters who can do dips at body weight, and I say dips, like multiple of them, like 10, 15, 20 dips in a row, I think it's a, it's a good exercise choice. For almost everybody else, it isn't because they're just not there yet. If a push-up is difficult, dips are going to be super-duper hard. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. difficult to, like, gradate that. Like, we can put a band under your knee or a band on your foot or... Some gyms have a machine that has, like, the weight stack that moves with you so you can take mm-hmm. some of the load off. But it's not a great choice um, for most people most of the time. Yeah, I will say if you have joints that tolerate it and the technique that's obviously in the ballpark, dips are, are yeah, absolutely one of the best tricep exercises. And if you have the, the belt, it's loadable, so you can... Yeah, man, back in the, back in the Lifetime Fitness days, I used to do dips with... Uh, a 45 plus a 25 pound plate for nice. like 10, 15. That's great. That was, that was back when I had younger joints. You yeah. know what I mean? And but yeah, likewise. I do love dips, but they've always come relatively natural to me. But that's certainly not the case with a lot of people. Right. 
And, and then because if you're not that good at it, then there's a lot of room for error. Yeah. A lot, and yeah. so it's not a great. I think in terms of loadability, and and really driving an adaptation, it's a great exercise if your body is capable. Most people that I work with, it, they're just not there yet. So it's not a, it's not a viable option. Yeah. So my third one, and there's a technique version to this I want to talk about is dumbbell skull crushers. Oh. So not the easy bar. Dumbbell. Dumbbell skull, skull, crusher. skull crushers. Okay. So. What I don't like about the... It doesn't matter. You could do the easy bar. But... And here's the funniest part about this. It's called a skull crusher. And I've had clients literally, like, hit their... I'm like, I know it's called that, but don't touch your skull with it. You know what? The... Actually, that is one very important lesson to take as a coach. Yeah. You have to over-communicate. Right. Hey, it's a skull crusher. Don't actually, you know, so don't actually hit to, your head. To mitigate this, and on the dumbbell variation, here's what happens, and you, I'm sure you've seen this. When you do it, so you're laying on your back, and your elbows are, you know, you've got dumbbells in your hands, and you, almost like you're in a bench press position. Mm-hmm. But instead of doing a bench, you keep your upper arm solid. It stays put. You break at the elbows. Dumbbells go by your ears, and you come back, you lock it back out again into that sort of dumbbell press where you're going to, whatever, variation. Here's the thing about the skull crusher for both the easy bar and the dumbbell. I always cue my clients to that upper arm where their triceps are. I cue them to point their elbows to behind their head for two reasons. Mm. The first is if you're doing an easy bar curl. So, yeah, you're here, point them back a little bit. Mm. If you're doing the easy bar version, you're going to not hit your skull. Okay. And the dumbbell version doesn't really matter. You shouldn't hit your skull. The other is, a lot of people, when they do their skull crushers, if they keep their um, upper arm straight up, when they lock out, they're not really contracting their triceps. They're sort of just stacking joints. Their wrist, their elbow, and their shoulder are stacked vertically. So there's not really a contraction happening. If you keep elbows pointed behind you, and as you contract, you still have to have that tricep engaged in order to uh, complete the movement. So I always tell them to point their elbows not towards the ceiling, but a little bit behind their head towards the ceiling. So you almost you almost shoot for an elbow lockout at an angle, at an angle. and then do like a straight arm nope, pull down. Oh, it keep it back, back there. Keep it back there. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. So in the, again, with the dumbbell, it's safer because most people are just gonna, it, at worst case, gonna graze their ears. So the dumbbell variation is safer. Um, but both variations, whether it's the easy bar or the dumbbell variation, point the elbows not directly mm. towards the ceiling, but a little bit behind you. Yeah. And then that way, again, when you get to that lockout, you're still contracting that tricep to hold it there, not just stacking your joints vertically. Slick. So that's my third one. And then my fourth one, and you'll like this one because it goes back to the push-ups a little bit, is band press downs. I love rope press downs. That would have mm-hmm. been a choice, but I like band press downs. Because there's not as much eccentric stress, mm-hmm. and so you can do do a hundred band press downs in a workout, and your triceps are going to be blown up. Yeah, dude. So that's the easy one, and that's the fast one too. Like especially at my gym or any gym I've ever worked in, you take a band, throw it over a pull-up bar, cinch it up, just be like, give me seventy or eighty. Yeah. I don't care how you get them, just give me eighty. Totally. Yeah, that, that, and that's another one like the band press down. It's not. It's low load, low risk, no eccentric, 
you can do a thousand of them. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't care how you give me my 80, but just give me my 80. But I want my 80. I want my 80 reps. You, you can get them in sets of 10, 20, 50, I don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, the only other thing that I'll say about a tricep, and this, this again is probably, probably doesn't apply to the vast majority of people, um, but if you are skilled in the ways of a kettlebell, the Turkish getup, fantastic tricep exercise. Holding it that whole time. Yeah, I I have had some wicked tricep cramps from doing a good a good heavy getup. And again, this is just me. The only time I've ever been complimented on my triceps is doing a Turkish getup. <laughs> I've done all the bench press. I've done all like the French press from behind the head. I've done the uh, push downs. I've done the push ups and the whole thing consistently. Oh, we apologize for the noise here. Consistently, the only times I ever get complimented on my triceps is during a Turkish get up. I'm going to use that little siren as a warning because there is a tricep exercise that I don't coach <laughs> on purpose. Do you want to guess which tricep exercise I won't coach? Alerts. Um, Alert. Let's see. I am going to guess like a like a traditional tricep love, People exercise. love to do it that I won't let people do. Mm, can I guess behind the back bench dips? Yes. Okay. That's a good call. That was a good guess. Yeah, dude, because that that shreds your shoulders. Yeah. Say, I used to do it all the time. Like I yeah. put feet on another bench, put plates on my. Oh lap. yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. When, in my younger year, I will not let anybody. Now, let, let me. Pump the brakes a little bit. I say I won't let anybody do that. This again, it comes down to one of those exercises where the juice isn't necessarily worth the squeeze. Yeah. And the yeah. risk is greater than the reward. It's not like a bench dip is a, such an awesome exercise that I'm like, ooh, I'm really conflicted about assigning it. It's really not that great. It's not that great. And then like it's it's a little bit more risky, so there's no reason to do it. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's it's always kind of a D-plus exercise. Right. There's like, rarely any good reason to do it. Right. I, like, I get it, and at the same time, I'm like, but there are plenty of other variations that are so much safer and so much better. Yeah. That yeah. there's no reason that I would ever pick that one. Right. So, kind of going back to what we were saying earlier, there's a billion variations of a lot of exercises. There's a handful that are great, and a lot of more or less trash yeah yeah so okay good 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 call there okay shoulders now shoulders some bolder shoulders let's let's wrap up with shoulders okay your favorite one well i will say i i would say you really can't go i well here's the thing if you're also doing all these push-ups you're gonna be getting some good shoulders in there so that's another reason why i kind of will go back to the whole shoulder exercise but um, I don't really have great shoulders to begin with, so I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm not. I don't really have a huge dog in this fight. But I would say any sort of overhead press is going to be a great catch-all exercise for the shoulders. I'm also partial to the one-arm press as opposed to the barbell military press. Um, you mentioned bottoms up. I think bottoms up press is a fantastic shoulder exercise. When, so now all that being said, I really think it's, you know, it's kind of hard to argue with any sort of uh, overhead press for shoulder development. 
to spice up the conversation a little bit, a shoulder exercise that I've been doing recently, which I really, really like, is a chest-supported slight, kind of slight decline dumbbell Y raise. Hmm. So if you can imagine taking a bench, mm -hmm. like up to, you know, if this is 90 degrees straight up, let's say like, what's that? 70? Like 75. 70 or 75 degrees. Um, leaning over so it's like a chest supported position. Um, so kind of leaning forward a little bit, but getting good, good kind of upright posture, grabbing a couple 10s, maybe 15s, and raising your arms into this Y position out to a 45 degree angle from the floor. Um, when that technique is done just right, that's a real fantastic, I think, kind of medial and, and a little bit of rear delt um, exercise. Okay. So that's one that I've been doing a lot lately. And I think if you have the, the bench and the dumbbells and the eye for angles, I think it's a real fantastic shoulder exercise. Okay. Um, I'll just expand because I agree. Um, the here's the thing is most people when they think about like delt development think about like lateral raises or front raises or rear delt raises or whatever maybe face pulls and I do like face pulls but I don't I don't think I want to talk about them um, but the limitation there is I mean, when you have a long lever arm your arm mm. the load has to be kind of light if you're mm -hmm. doing lateral raises or front raises or whatever it has to be kind of I think I normally do lateral raises with like 15s or 20s. Right. Um, I shoulder pressed. So going back, so dumbbell, I would say dumbbell military press is my favorite. Mm -hmm. um, I have had decent shoulders in the past. Obviously, I'm not six months out of post-op or whatever. I haven't been doing a lot of shoulder pressing. But the best shoulder development I ever got was from barbell or dumbbell military pressing. Mm. With the added benefit of load. Because mm -hmm. both of those are more loadable than your lateral raises. So in terms of, like, stimuli, it's just that much greater. Yeah. Um, I like dumbbell military presses because they just agree with my shoulders better than barbell. I like, I like both, and I can do both. Dumbbell just feels better. I actually am a huge fan of... I wouldn't call it a dumbbell military press, like, 90 degrees, like we talked about. Mm. I actually like, kind of going back to what you're saying... I, I call it a high incline shoulder press. Yeah, I think it's yeah. it's healthy. Most people have like weird compensation patterns at 90 degrees, but at 75 degrees, like a slight incline back, you can load it heavier, and it's a lot more comfortable. So you yeah. get a lot more benefit out of a dumbbell shoulder press variation at a 75 degree angle, in my opinion, at a 75 degree angle than you do at a 90 degree angle. Right. Right, right. Um, and, you know, what you can't do with a barbell is bring your hands together. Yep. Now, I'm not saying when I do military, dumbbell military press that overhead I'm touching them together. I'm not. But they probably get a little bit closer. So mm -hmm. that range of motion is probably a little bit longer than my barbell. Not by a ton, but just a little bit. Um, so I've always responded really well to dumbbell or barbell military pressing variations. Um, outside of that... I haven't tried your Y raise like variation. I did some lateral dumbbell lateral raises today, but yeah, 
I don't really do front raises. You and I both would probably agree that if you dumbbell or barbell bench, you're probably getting some anterior delt. And if, if you mm-hmm. dumbbell or barbell bench or dumbbell or barbell military press, you're getting an ass load of front delt. And yeah, front delts typically get hit pretty hard. Right, and I don't think a 15-pound dumbbell is going to be the be-all, end-all at that point. Like, it's really just yeah. superfluous at that point. I will say the only, let's say, like, maybe anterior delt, maybe me- medial delt, maybe trap exercise that I really do personally like to train, and this is just me, um, is a uh, full overhead plate raise. Okay, I like that one actually. Yeah, taking a one of the one of the other reasons I really like uh, Gym Five is they have thirty five pound plates. Yeah. So I think thirty five pound plate is kind of a sweet spot for me to just just grab a hold of a plate, give it a good squeeze in, mm-hmm. and go from lap to overhead. Well, I do like that. Lap to overhead, like a set of fifteen. Ooh, baby. Yeah, That's I like fun. that. Yeah. That's fun. Um, I like that one. I'm trying to think, if there's any other shoulder exercise. The only other shoulder exercise that I've just, I've literally only done it two times, so I really don't have any opinion on it, is uh, the Lou raise, named after one of the um, Olympic weightlifters, um, I believe from China. And so you take, let's say, two 10-pound plates, like one in each hand, and they're down by your side, and you just make a big sweep up, Touch the backs of your hands together, overhead, okay. yeah. and back down. Okay. It's called Lou Raises, L-U, uh, for anyone who wants to YouTube that. Um, I don't necessarily feel like it's doing much more or less than like the plate front raise slash traditional lateral raises, uh, but a lot of people on the internet rave about it. And uh, it does feel good, especially when you're just using, uh, like when you're palming uh, weight plates, like, right. like 10-pound weight plates. So that's again, something I'm going to experiment with a little bit more in my, in my training. Well, again, going back to what we were saying earlier, if, if you're working out two or three times a week, I would put a lot, and by a lot, I mean probably only eggs in the shoulder pressing, overhead pressing basket. Sure. If you're working out three, four, five, six, seven days a week, you can probably do plenty of overhead pressing and then also do your lateral raises, your front raises, your loop, you know, loop raises or whatever. Um, you know, my favorite rear delt ones actually, hmm. a lot of people love band pole parts mm-hmm. and I program them all the time. Um, as like a filler between like bench presses or whatever. I actually prefer, you know, the big band, the super band that you do the pole parts with, right? Mm-hmm. Cut it in half. Oh, yeah. snip it. And then take that band and loop it around um, like a post, like a squat rack post, and make an X with it, and then back away from it and do your band pull-aparts, but standing away from it because the angle is better for like continuing. Like, because once you get across chest, I don't think you really get the same rear delt activation. Yeah. With a traditional band pull, I'm not saying a band pull-apart is a bad exercise. I don't think it's a great exercise. I think it's good filler. I think it's good for shoulder health between bench press. It's low dose, you know, doesn't beat you up. But if I had to pick like a band pull apart variation that I like way better, it's, I call it like an X band pull apart. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Like a, like a crossover. Like a crossover. And you've seen this in the gym. Oh yeah. With the cable cross. Same thing, but just the band variation of it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And that actually reminds me, I've only done it a few times, 
but if you didn't want to cut your bands, you could just loop a band around and I guess this isn't exactly the same, but it's something that I've done a few times. Or if you loop a band around a post and you just take like a little step out and across to where the band is pulling your arm across your body. Right. And you just you just work one arm at a time, just out like that. Right. So you have somewhat of an angle so that at that full let's see, this is flexion, extension. Abduction, so you're abducted, abducted and extended. Yeah, you're right? still getting. You a still good have that tension. Same tension thing. Forward. Same thing, yeah. kind of like the skull crushers, is like maintaining body position where you have tension under load or whatever at the end range. Right. Yeah. I like that. Dig it, man. I think that is a good. Whoa, we can. That is a good little spot to wrap up on. Okay. So. It'll be long over by the time you hear this episode, but Lifted Palooza is this weekend, and I could not be more excited. Could not be more excited. We've got which should be practically a full house, and um, there'll, yeah. be, there'll be one more. I'm gonna buy my ticket. Can I still buy my ticket? You've only got room for one more. For real? The name ha- the seat has your name on it. Okay. I, need, I don't know why it keeps slipping my mind. Spot, we talk bro. about it all the time. Man. Save me a spot, bro. People would, people would pitch a fit if you weren't there. I've told you, you have fans coming to Yo, this. Oh, I'm popular. You have fans coming to this. Oh, I hope I don't disappoint them. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you will not. If I show up in my fanny pack on Saturday. I'm sure you will not. <laughs> uh, so, all this to say, this is episode... 41. 41. So, We've wow. had 41 hours worth of talking. Oh, Actually, baby. more than that, but yeah. Oh, baby. Yeah. So, as always, thank you so much for listening. Whether this is your first or your 41st episode, <laughs> we really do appreciate it. And here's to, here's to finishing out 2021 strong. Whether or not we get to 50 or 51 episodes, um, I just want to take a moment to uh, express my gratitude to you, Andy. Buddy. And to Zans and to everyone who's <laughs> who's listened, I think I'm contractually obligated now to thank Zans <laughs> in every episode. Um, but yeah, man, this is super fun. I think just the fact that we can get together and just shoot the bull about training and an hour goes by like that, I know, is uh, is super cool. Well, so, likewise, I feel the same. Yeah, dude. A to Z, no BS. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>